Thank you for tuning in to episode 21 of the Dealer Talk podcast. Today, we're talking all about process, and our guest truly delivers on this topic. One of my favorite quotes says that if you cannot describe what you do in a process, you don't know what you're doing. Make sure to take some notes on this one. Tons of insight. Very, very excited to be able to share this episode with all of you. Also, don't forget to check us out on our website at www.dealertalk.biz. Leave us some questions. Give us some feedback. We truly, truly appreciate it. All right. Now let's go on to the episode. Here we go. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Dealer Talk. So we have an amazing guest today, and we're going to be having a conversation um, around process. You know, the person that we have on the show for today, I think, is, uh, has got a really good perspective on this. I follow his content on LinkedIn. I love the stuff that he puts out there. Um, and I'm just really excited to um, have him spread the knowledge with the audience, with our listeners um, Eric, what's going on, dude? How you doing, man? Oh, her fantastic, fired up, and, and just did I say fantastic? That's because that's what I meant. If I didn't say, it, that's what I meant. Yeah, I think you said something in there, man. I don't remember, but wonderful, wonderful. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah, dude. So we're gonna be having a conversation today um, around process, and I just wanted to ask you, within your dealership, right? What's the, you know. What's that like? I mean, you know, what, do you have your processing in place? How, how, uh, you know, like, what, what are they? Like, what are the challenges? Talk to me about that, man. Well, you know, because we talk about this a lot. I think the service department is the sales department. It's for sure the future of, of the dealership if they want to remain viable going into the future. So, you know, I'm all the time pressing on, um, to try and get the sales staff comfortable with the idea of being more um, transparent and, and more knowledgeable and more one-on-one FaceTime with the folks in service because that's really where the game is won. We, we owe the community, the marketplace, we owe them our service um, as a dealership and therefore you know, we should be able to have these communications not only with the service board but be able to convey back and forth even if with a middle person for the marketplace. So I feel very strongly, very strongly about the service department being um, the kind of landscape of where sales is headed, where the, where people need to pay attention to. If they want to remain, you know, <laughs> profitable in the future, that's just kind of where the game is, is won, in my opinion. But that's just my opinion. We're here for to gain other people's opinion today. But uh, um, that's – so I'm, I, I harp on, on the sales for a lot of time just to be really hyper aware of people that are waiting in service. Um, or are looking for service, um, even if it's a phone call. And I mean, it's a long-winded answer, but I, I think services. In case you can't tell, I think service is where the game is fought and won. Hey, man, you know how I feel about that, right? You know, yeah. I grew up in service, so that's my, that's my, that's what I love, dude. And, and I agree with you, but um, I just kind of wanted to um, continue this thought here for a moment. So when you say service is the sales department do you mean in the in the sense of you know those customers that go in there with high mileage or do you do you mean you know providing service that 
is so great that that customer, when the when the opportunity comes for them to buy their next vehicle, there there's no choice, right? It's you, and that's it. That that absolutely is. I mean, I I think the service to sales. Again, this is just my opinion, but again, my my opinion is not not necessarily what we're trying to to emphasize today. But right, um, I I think that um, I think it should be seamless. When I think about service to sales and sales to service, that should be a seamless. Um, almost non-existent separation between the two because it's really it's about the it's emphasizing uh, service to the consumer not only through sales but through service and I mean there's, there's a lot of different deep deeper discussions you can have about that but I felt very strongly about that being being very very seamless and and we can expand on that later but man let's let's get this dude on let's get him, <laughs> let's get him talking about how far it up for today let's go all right man <laughs> so. The guest for today is somebody that's, that has a lot of experience in the industry, um, uh, somebody that consults and helps others achieve um, you know, better processes, better results, um, creating domination across the nation. Without further ado, <laughs> Mr. Robert Sebastian. What's up, sir? How are you, man? Uh, I'm fantastic. I'm almost as fired up as Eric. Uh, but but I got to work on that. Oh, dude, that. That's tough. That'd be tough. <laughs> hey, I, I got to say, you know, we can just go home now. You know, mic drop, uh, Eric. <laughs> oh, man. Eric, you 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 just uh, I think you you said it all. I, I don't know that anything else needs to be said. I believe in everything matters. So you cannot have. A successful service department. Um, if you don't have a good sales department, and it's like it, it kind of what came first, the chicken or the egg? So it's very important that the sales department sets up the service experience uh, experience correctly, and then you know the service introduction and talking about how great the service department is. Of course, it's hard to do that if you have to lie and your service actually is not good. So it's extremely important, important that your service experience is exceptional so that your salespeople don't have to lie about that or anything. They can honestly look the customer in the eyes and say, hey, you're going to love the service experience here. So when I was a service manager, I had retention rates that had the direct mail people uh, looking at me and say, how do you do this? You know, your retention rate is about two and a half times the average. And I was like, well, we respect people's time. So. We set up a quick loop service that was actually quick. We we did some stuff that people have never heard of, and people liked that. And the results were phenomenal. The results as far as people repurchasing vehicles, making it easier on the used car department to acquire trades, because, uh, you know, that's not hard at all, right? There's plenty of quality used cars out there to buy <laughs> today. Uh, obviously, I'm being sarcastic, but... Um, you know, no, it's it's uh, it's hard to find good vehicles. It's a lot of hard work for the buyers. So the customer came back several times, and uh, and it was a no brainer where to buy their car. And that's what I try to pass on to anybody that I do business with. Hey guys, everything matters. You have to get your processes in the sales department, and parts department is an integral part of of a great service experience so parts and service together right i know i totally agree with that man so um just for the listeners can you just give us a, a quick uh um, recap on your background so my background i i started out in manufacturing 
where I was introduced to W.E. Deming, you know, the father of um, Japanese quality, uh, continuous improvement. And the story goes that uh, uh, the United States manufacturers were not really uh, interested in what he had to say. So he went to Japan and he learned, he, he taught the Japanese, the Japanese learned from him how to produce top quality vehicles, statistical quality improvement and that kind of stuff. So I was in a manufacturing firm and that's where I learned process. I, I've seen people do, they were producing two or three pieces an hour of things that you could do 40 or 50 an hour. So clearly they were dis destroying the company and they were doing it thinking, well, if I do more then they're going to fire me. Well, I left there and eventually the company shut down because they kept the rest of the employees that were doing two or three pieces an hour, something you could do 50, 60, even though they tried and they even brought in consultants and I absorbed everything that they thought. So that was my beginning. And then I moved to, I moved, uh, with a company from uh, Illinois to South Carolina. And uh, a couple of years later, I find myself out of a job. Our competitor bought us. So I ended up in car sales, kind of like accidentally, you, Brian Tracy says, you back up the truck and you, you hit something. And that's a sales job for a lot of us. So I backed up my truck and <laughs> ended up in sales. Uh, it was a tough time in, in Charleston. The Navy base had just closed. So uh, everybody was saying, it's really tough. Nobody's buying cars. Nobody's doing anything. And then I ended up at a dealership where um, it was just bought from a, a previous owner, a second generation owner who was selling 30 cars a month. It was within six months, the new owners took it to 150 a month. Wow. So it was really, really nice to be part of that. Um, but I also experienced there what it takes, the kind of work ethic that it takes to do that. But even with all that, their service department was terrible. And I stayed there four and a half years. And after about two or three years, I started seeing a lot of repeat business and I, I set up what I consider the first BDC in the world. Cause we were talking about 1995. I had a 640 megabyte, uh, computer in my office set up and I used act 2.0, which is an outside sales software, a CRM that most salespeople didn't even dream about. So I created a monthly newsletter on even, I even have the copies today of these newsletters on one of them. I'm hanging off the side of a mountain. I'm climbing a mountain in Spain. On the other one, I'm playing guitar in some uh, uh, festival. And then I'm, I'm talking about a great buying experience and a great service experience. But customers started coming to me, even though they love me and they bought their second, third car from me or their cousins and, and friends, they were complaining about service. And a lot of them encouraged me to find a dealership that had good service. So that opened my eyes. I was like, well, I can't stay here. This is, this is trouble. And, um, I had an opportunity to actually move over to service. I accepted a service advisor job at a small Honda dealership on Hilton Head Island. And I knew I could learn it all. So three months later, manager quits and the owner asked me if I could take it over. I had manufacturing management background. I had sales background. I really didn't know anything about parts. I, I really didn't know the difference between a brake pad and a brake caliper. And I was a serviceman, <laughs> which a lot of people would cringe at, at that thought, right? Right, yeah. But, but you don't need a mechanic to lead a dealer uh, service department. And the mechanics at first were uh, skeptical, but after a few months, they're like, okay, dude, uh, let's do this. Uh, you know, they supported me. Up. Yeah, I was going to say, that's always a challenge is the, the technicians, right? They, oh, the you know, if you have that technical background, it's always 
it's at to your advantage. At first, the technicians were were uh, really skeptical. Say, what are you going to do here? You don't even know anything about cars. And I was like, but just give me a chance. You know, we'll work together. We'll, we'll I'll learn all that. And I did. I dove in. I learned technical stuff. I ended up working on some of the toughest diagnostic issues with the technicians. And I really loved it because in high school, I was I did high school in Romania. It was an electronics um, kind of trade school also. So I had that training and it helped me look at diagrams and all that stuff. But uh, anyway, so I ended up in service and I, and, uh, I loved the challenge. I ended up taking over a department that was the worst in the nation for Isuzu, Kia and Subaru. And within one year, well, let me say, say this. Every month, my GM would uh, call me in his office and, and say, hey, Robert, are you going to be number one, one time? I mean, you're number two. After about four or five months of being there, I was number two in the district every month. And he's like, come on, man, let's be number one. So when the year ended, we look back and we realized that every number one was always number six or seven. Usually they were number one randomly. We were number two consistently. So we won the year. And yeah. um, that's that's the kind of consistency that wins the game. That's amazing. So, you know, that's, a, that's how you go to Five Diamond Resort in Mexico with your service advisor and your technician. Yes. <laughs> yeah, man. That's awesome, dude. So take, take your team. That's my my theme my my theme in life, right? Take your team to Mexico, whether the manufacturer gives it to you or you, you just make so much money that uh, it's not even an issue. You can go to any five diamond resort you yes. want because you earn customer trust. So, so I know that's long winded. I apologize for that, but you know, it's, no, it's no, awesome. it's cool, man. Um, so let's talk about processes, right? So dealerships today, right? Twenty eighteen process still an issue. Uh, obviously, I know the answer to that, but I want to get your perspective. And w- what areas do you think that, um, you know, can improve the, the quickest and can have the most impact, at, at, uh, you know, for the dealership? So, look, uh, my friend Paul Sparrow, who is a, a founder and partner in Fractional CMOs, and you can find him on LinkedIn. It's worth talking to him, no matter what kind of company you are. Um, he says they... Um, deal with companies and, and they look at growth gears, you know, how they can affect growth in an organization. They look at all kinds, they work with all kinds of uh, companies, but he, they found that there are companies that are operations focused and there are companies that are marketing focused. And he's talking more about startups, but this applies to car dealerships and car dealerships still to the date, 80 to 90% of them are marketing focused. And, he says that what they found is that the companies that are operations focused can be taught marketing and they'll do fine. But the ones that are marketing focused are going to have a really, really hard time getting their operations straight. So processes from sales all the way to service are going to be challenged if they don't give it the proper attention. So the the opportunity is... In every area, really, because if you're talking to any car dealership, they don't. The salespeople don't get as much training as Chick Fil A offers to their employees. I don't think, and uh, some do. If they're self motivated, if they're really interested, they'll do it. But that's why there's a need for uh, a coaching culture in the sales department, and have personal development plans. It, Eric, you mentioned uh, John Maxwell before we started this uh, podcast, you know, 
John Maxwell believes everybody should have a written personal development plan. And then somebody should help them along the way and train them every day. And he's got a five-step uh, how to teach any new skill kind of method that John Maxwell talks about. And, and when you hear it, it's so simple that most people would discount it. But it is a key component of any training system. You want to make sure that when you're teaching something that the person listening actually acquired the knowledge. So the, the teacher's goal is not to recite something or just uh, make sure that the material was covered. A real teacher causes the listener to learn. So I think we're falling short there because you've got the top performers in the sales department, they'll do fine, but you've got the 60, 70%, those that turn over every year. But I think you could keep more of them when you invest into them the right way. And of course, it starts with leadership. You have to have leaders. You got to coach the leaders, the, the managers, and first the GM to set up these personal development plans for every employee on the sales side. Then, of course, service department. I, I mean, you know, you go in. I, I took my car for, in for service before a road trip. And I asked him, look it over, tell me what it needs, do whatever it needs, because we're driving far. And then I leave Charleston, and by the time I got to Atlanta, my brakes were squealing. Wow. <laughs> Can you believe that? I begged them to sell me stuff. Sell me something. Robert, let me, let me ask you this, because um, I, I wanted, because we started off the show talking about service. I want to make sure we're kind of like service-centric uh, on, on this discussion today. What do you think is, and I, I have two questions, but what do you think is um, the three, if we had to scale it down, I'm looking for like top, top tier answers here. What are the three biggest mistakes service departments make today? And on the flip side of that, you know, what's, what's the best way to capitalize off of those? So three biggest mistakes. I don't know if I can give you three biggest mistakes because I, I try not to really uh, beat up people on mistakes, <laughs> but so the number one for sure is still time, and it's mainly communication about time. So communication about time expectations is the big one. Uh, appointment systems basically amount to uh, a walk-in. So you might have an appointment, but I personally started changing my own oil in part to bond with my son, but that was just my excuse. In reality, even though there's Wi-Fi and everything and you can put all the amenities in the world into a service department, I have no desire to go to a place and sit there for four hours. And and that, that was the reason I left sales, because I had a, a sale customer in for first oil change and they uh, came in for an oil change at 8.30 a.m. At noon, they were still there waiting on their car. And that's the same today. It hasn't changed. So it is possible to set up an appointment system that you respect. Of course, there's a lot of pressure now that if somebody walks in or just drives in without an appointment, you need to accommodate it. Yeah. But I, I, I got to interject on this one, man, because that's a, uh, that's an education issue, right? Um, yes. Cause if you educate your customers on, listen, we only work on an appointment and we do that to service everyone better. And they walk in, I mean, listen, I'm sorry, I can't do it. You know what I mean? Like you have to make an appointment when you go to the doctor, you didn't just walk in and you're like, Hey, I'm here to see the doctor. You know, you're like, you make an appointment. Um, Cause if you, and if you stick, but you got to stick to it, that's the thing. And that's, I think that, that we, we mess that up because we want the business and we take the, 
we're like, okay, yeah, we'll squeeze it in there or whatever. And we just jam it all up. And then, you know, it just messes everything up for, for everyone. But if you stick to that, to that system, it really does work. So how do you squeeze them in? You put the car sideways between two lifts? No, but I mean, you, 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 you know what I'm saying? You kind of shuffle the paperwork, you shuffle, you, you talk to the technicians, you know what I'm saying? You know, the hustle, right? No, no, you can't squeeze what I, and I, I know, I know what you're saying. And I'm, what I'm saying is there is no way you can squeeze people in because you don't want to tell the oil change uh, service technician to rush one service. He needs to do his inspection, the multi-point inspection. Don't pencil whip the inspection. Do it properly. And so here's a, here's a, a suggestion that I uh, give to service managers and to general managers, especially because a service manager cannot implement this on his own. Let's say a first-time customer shows up for an oil change and you have a, an appointment system and it's all over your website and it's in your app, but this client doesn't know it. So they drive in. And it's a really busy person, maybe a, a, a mom with kids and all, and, and she needs her oil change really bad because she's like 3,000 miles over. The engine's about to lock up. She's never been to your facility. They just moved to town. So then you tell her, well, you know, we're back to buy, back, and I could do your oil change at, let's say, 2 o'clock, and right now it's 10 o'clock, but she's got a lot of stuff to do. Put her in a loaner. Put her even enterprise and say, you know what? I'll pay $30 for a rental car, and you, all you have to pay us is the oil change. One time, but next time, no, we have an appointment system. And you might have to do this, let's say, 10 times a month. So that's $300. But they're spending $700 per new customer to sell them a car. Do you think $300 is too much? So I wouldn't do it with everybody, but. No, no, I totally agree. But yeah. make it part of your market to do stuff that just knocks people's socks off. And. And um, I'll tell you one special that um, I ran, and, and uh, when people hear this, it's like, really, I, I'm just afraid I can't do that. Uh, we sent out a postcard that said, pay us what you think this oil change is worth. And they got it. And, said, and so what we did, we did it by appointment, and it said on the postcard, by appointment only. So we did appointments, inspections, sold a bunch of work off of them. We would time it and we say, all right, Mr. Customer, when they were picking up at the cash register, we did your oil change service. We, we did the inspection and uh, your car has a clean bill of hate. Uh, yeah, bill of health. Sorry. <laughs> I need more coffee. Uh, bill of health. <laughs> and it, it took 30 minutes. And uh, so now you can uh, determine your own price. What do you think it's worth? And at that time, our oil change special was about 20 bucks. And on the average, customers pay $25. I was going to say, I've run that same deal, and the customer ends up paying more, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. They end up paying, they end up paying more than the average. That's amazing. So, now, I had one college student who said, hey, man, I only have $5 in my pocket. And I was like, look, the special wasn't give me what you got in your pocket. And, uh, and then I said, come on, man. I said, come on, man, give me the five bucks. Get out of here. <laughs> no, yeah, but I mean, that's it's interesting. Here's here's what it comes down to me, right, is um, for me, service is is a success, a long-term success strategy for the dealership, right? Because anything that you do there is going to build retention, which is going to keep that customer coming back, build relationships, gets that customer when they're going to purchase a vehicle, they're going to think of you because you, you know, they always get an experience like the true definition of an experience every time they're there, which to me, an experience is something that you, when you leave the dealership, you walk out with that, 
right? If you go in there for, for an oil change and you have an experience, you as a customer, you take that experience with you, right? And that's going to build for your next, uh, you know, the next time you want to get something done, you're going to remember that experience and that's going to push you back to that store. It's going to push you back to that dealership because of it. So I don't know. I just, that's, yeah, I just wanted to say that out loud, I guess. <laughs> yep. And, and then other, you ask for three mistakes, right? So other mistake, maybe uh, you do have to train service advisors. You have to make sure that we understand clearly. Clarity is a big word. I love the word clarity. Um, clearly explain the the symptoms, the symptoms, not uh, repair. The service advisor would write something like uh, repair right window. What's the complaint? We need some clarity. So if the customer says, I I hear a noise when I'm, I'm driving west on I-26, uh, about 70 miles an hour, not I hear a noise when I drive my car. So that's what, that's how a service department can go from average to exceptional when you actually verify exactly the conditions. And these are part of service advisor training, but they have to be trained and reiterated uh, if you see that, that they're deviating from it. There's no deviation on this. You got to get clarity. And then your fixed right first time rate is up. Uh, customers are extremely happy. Uh, they're buying cars. Everybody's happy. No, that, that that's practical information. That absolutely is brilliant. And it's, it's it, of course that works. Um, my, my, my question is, you know, because I'm a sales guy, I, I, I guess we're all sales guys, but the fact of the matter is, what, what is your opinion on what is a, a, a suggested practice uh, and, and how do we formulate a partnership between the sales to service to parts relationship? Um, let's say you're a GM or GSM or a sales manager. What's, how do we formulate a better partnership between those three parties so we can, you know, we can all capitalize. We can all profit from it. What, what is your suggestions on that? Clearly, relationship is everything and, and understanding that we're all in the same exact game. Uh, so as a GM, I think the best thing to do is to have some events where everybody participates, but not just the Christmas and Thanksgiving. You know, the, the Thanksgiving dinner is awesome, but a, a little bit more. And I think training the salespeople more than the technicians, which which you can train technicians and parts uh, people third, because I, I think that's the order. Uh, the salespeople are outgoing. They'll reach out to people, technicians second kind of, and then parts personnel third. I mean, they'll talk to you, but they're very, they know the location of each part. And some of them are outgoing, but most maybe not, not as much. So, the salespeople should make it part of their strategy, I think, but it has to be trained on. And then you got to do some forced fellowship, you know, whether it's once a month or once every three months. Um, but again, if you train your department leaders and not department managers to take ownership of this and in every meeting to reiterate, hey, the relationship with you, you guys need to get to know the salespeople, support them. If they come back, they have a customer issue that's kind of pressing. Come on, let's jump on it and show them we care. We're in the same game. Well, that that I mean, I, I love the fact that you pointed out, you know, department leaders and not necessarily the managers. That is, that was huge. That was a, a great takeaway. Thank you for sharing on that. 
Um, you, you talk a lot about you talk a lot about reviews. I mean, what are your what are, what are your thoughts on um, reviews and the best place to to have the reviews? Because obviously, we want them to be accessible. Um, what, what are your what are your suggestions like on on that from uh, from your point of view? So I don't like anything fake. I don't like doctored up things. Uh, I believe that even in an environment where uh, we say that, and, and you know who says that the customer, I'll use some, some words that, I mean, we're adults, you know, customer's an idiot, people are stupid, uh, the public is just crazy. We are the public. The person that says that is the public, is the buying public. So, you know, some people say, I, I don't like to deal with customers because they're crazy. But the only way to get good reviews is a great experience because often when you read the things that you read in reviews that are bad, they could have been avoided, 80% of them. You'll have one, you can get a one star when you didn't do anything wrong, but but if you do mostly, if you do things right mostly and you communicate clearly, then you'll avoid most of them. And I realize on Yelp, for whatever reason, Yelp loves to hate car uh, dealers. But if you rise up above the average, you'll be fine. And the way you rise above average is you communicate clearly with people. You don't give them time expectations. Even when they call in and say, hey, I want to come in and look at such and such vehicle, tell them that, look, the average uh, process is a couple of hours, two hours, three hours, so I'll set up your appointment, whatever it is at your dealership, right? But if you tell them it's going to take half an hour and the person only allots, they're doing it on, on their lunch break, and all of a sudden... You have to rush everything. And the fact is people spend a lot of time on Facebook. We have time. It's not that we don't have time. But we put so much pressure on ourselves that we have to rush everything because we have to respect time. And we do have to respect time. But things take a little bit of time. Things done properly take time. When you're cooking grandma's favorite favorite uh, cake or baking grandma's favorite cake, you're going to have to do things in an order. And you're going to have to bake it for the time that the recipe calls for. And same for anything else we do. Then the reviews kind of come. The reviews will come your way. You read stuff. Uh, by the way, uh, in the F&I office, trying to slide things into the payment and never tell the customer, as opposed to do doing menu selling and actually learning how to present products that make sense, that people need. Yeah, so, you know, I was having a conversation recently with a, uh, with a GM, and we were talking about processes. And he said something to me that I don't know if I necessarily agree, but I'd like, I like to get your take on it. So his, uh, you know, his thought was, look, you know, you're better off having a bad process, but doing it that way every single time than having no process at all. Do you agree with that in the automotive industry? Absolutely, because you can adjust a bad process. At least you find out what you're doing uh, bad consistently. But if you're just flying by the seat of your pants, there's nothing you can adjust. You don't know what to adjust. I don't know, man. But see, my thought is, it's like this whole, you know, people say that uh, practice makes perfect. And I, that that's BS, right? Because, um, you, you know, what if you're practicing bad? You know what I mean? Yeah, it'll make perfect. It'll make Correct. you perfectly bad. You know what I mean? So, yeah, no, no. Perfect, perfect practice makes perfect. I know that. But you got to start somewhere. So if you start with a broken process, and that's the best you could come up with on your own, hopefully you would have enough, enough insight and realize soon in the process that you need to change it. You need to improve it. Do you it. think that it'll, it'll, it'll create 
bad habits for the people. And then, you know, as you adjust, it'll be harder for you to, you know, because people get used to doing things a certain way. Right. Um, you know, and then you, you, you try to get them to change and it's going to be like harder. Well, well, Eric, go. I'm just going to, my two cents here is that if you, if you know, if you willingly know it's a bad process and yet you do nothing about it, then of course that's a, that's a terrible habit to get into. But it, it, at least having the process, that, that, that's something you can alter, you can adjust it in flight. But I, I think um, we're, we're not talking about you have a bad process and you're not doing anything about it. That, that's a terrible suggestion. So being able to acknowledge the fact that it's a bad process, but at least you have a process, I guess, is my, I don't know, that was my two cents. <laughs> so look, uh, this sales guy said, you know, I can't find any good uh, sales jobs in this town. You know, they all suck. The, the, the car dealers are terrible. And the sales trainer asked him, show me your presentation on your favorite product. And the guy says, well, what what do you mean? He says, well, show me your presentation. You know, how do you do your presentation? And the guy says, I'm a natural. I don't have a canned presentation. So the sales trainer said, well, I rest my case. You know, you can go find a sales job somewhere else, but you're never going to find a good sales job. So certainly we, we don't want to train on bad processes. But if you don't have any process, actually, you do have a process. So anybody that says they don't have a process, they have a process because if you record it, Let's say a, a salesperson, a finance manager, uh, uh, whoever, if you record the same interaction, same situation over and over, you will find that all of us use the same sentences and, and we use the same words over and over. So we have a canned presentation already. We just kind of bumped into it accidentally over the years. So Yeah, there's no, it's not, it's not organized, right? Right. So that's a already you have a process. So somebody that says, I don't believe in, in all that. But the power of words is just uh, tremendous. You, it's, it's beyond anything most of us can imagine. So being intentional about setting up your process, even if the first time you set up a process that absolutely sucks and then you seek out expert advice on it and, hey, this is my process. Can you critique it for me? Can you look at it? And that's why outside consultants are so valuable that bring uh, really valuable insight to dealers, uh, and even just having the good twenty groups uh, and and learning from each other because we can make each other better. Um, but but you got to start somewhere and be intentional and say, you know what, I want to improve my process because the outcome is is just uh, exponentially different if you work on it or don't work on it. Right on, man. So hey, man, listen, it's been awesome to have you on the show. Um, I think it's been a good conversation. I definitely, um, you know, I love your perspective. Um, there is one question that I ask everybody that comes on, and that is, where do you see the automotive industry headed in the next five years and why? Well, you asked the right person because I happen to know. I talk to a lot of people that know, and I think the next five years are going to be about like the last five years. And I'm I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> but for each individual they will be about the same unless we spend at least half hour to an hour learning about the industry and looking at what is coming our way you know carvana digital retailing all that uh you got to be prepared to to tell your customers oh yeah we can do that and then uh 
time expectations, uh, you know, service requirements on vehicles are becoming lower and lower. And uh, there's no way to increase service revenue except for making sure that we respect people's time. So sure, there's going to be a lot in digital retailing. I think whoever will focus on operations and like Eric said from the beginning, service department is the sales department. And the more we focus on that, the better off we're going to fare in this uh, in this fight in the digital age to become the most trusted advisor in our marketplace. So the digital is is big, I think, and there there might be some sub- subscription services, but I don't think those will affect anybody in a great way in five years, possibly in ten to fifteen. Um, but yeah, the the best way to prepare is make sure that operations are. Uh, are locked down and that you do have processes that make people happy, that want them to come back for more. That's how you know if you're doing things right. Are people coming back for more or retention rates are terrible? Right on, man. Hey, thank you so much again for joining us today in this conversation. It's been awesome, awesome to have you on. Um, Can you just share with the listeners how they can get in touch with you? Um, The best way to get in touch with me is at uh, my email, robert at gravitationalbusiness.com or on LinkedIn. Those are the two easiest ways. Just uh, send me an email. I'll gladly um, gladly help you in any area that um, that I can. And I'll tell you, if it's an area I don't know anything about, I'll just say, I don't know much about that. And parts department, for example, I need help in parts department. I know uh, I need to work with the parts guys. I respect them, but that's not my strength. But uh, sales to service and the overall experience uh, that's where I can help. Right on, man. Yeah, we'll definitely make sure to put the your information, your contact information in the notes as well. So, hey, thanks, everybody, for joining us. I just want to remind everybody to uh, check out the website. Um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll put our, our website information in the notes as well. Uh, you can leave us some questions there. And as usual, we will talk later. So you made it all the way to the end. Thank you so much. Just want to remind everybody to go to the website at dealertalk.biz. Leave us your questions. Give us your feedback. We really appreciate it. And we'll talk later.